The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church, and welcome once again to The Springs Livestream. Welcome to the Vanderzee Living Room once again. And I hope you're well. I hope you are staying healthy. I hope you're staying safe. And I'm excited this morning to begin a brand new sermon series with you called Ecclesiastes, Good News in a Meaningless World. Ben and I have had a couple different ideas, several different ideas for what we might preach during this part of the calendar year over the last several months. But a few weeks ago, we thought this is a moment for us to hear a word from the book of Ecclesiastes. This is a moment of strangeness and uncertainty and despair and worry. Those are all hallmarks of this incredible book, Ecclesiastes. So I hope you'll stick around till the end of the sermon. I hope you'll stick around to the end of the sermon series because as our subtitle suggests, I promise there is good news here for us in the Word of God. So without any further delay, let's go ahead and jump right into Ecclesiastes chapter 1 together. The words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hurries to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Round and round goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they continue to flow. All things are wearisome. More than one can express. The eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. and What has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has already been. In the ages before us, The people of long ago are not remembered, nor will there be any remembrance of people yet to come by those who come after them. I, the teacher, when king over Israel in Jerusalem, applied my mind to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun and see all is vanity and a chasing after wind. Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning. We come before you apart and yet connected by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. We are bound together by your Spirit and we give you thanks for this new day. God, help us, even amidst the sorrow, amidst the chaos, amidst all that ails us right now. Help us to find joy, to be able to find your salvation, even in the midst of despair. 
Lord Jesus, I ask for the gift of preaching this morning and that your Holy Spirit would illuminate this text in our hearing. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I've had the opportunity to get acquainted with several Ecclesiastes commentaries over the last couple weeks. I can make recommendations if you're interested, but until then, I may as well just spoil the first sentence of basically every one of these commentaries. They all start out, Ecclesiastes is the weirdest book in the Bible. Now, you could make a case for some other ones. You could make a case for Song of Songs, say, although certain readings of that book honestly seem to fit more neatly into the broader scope of Scripture than this strange book, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes feels like it doesn't belong. It feels like a Marxist that snuck into the capitalism convention. It feels like a Texas Longhorn who found his way into the Sooner locker room. It just doesn't feel like it belongs at times. But it does belong. Ecclesiastes is a part of Holy Scripture, a part of the canon to which we submit, which has authority over us, and as strange as this book might be, it is a vital moment in Scripture. It's a moment on the journey of the Bible. You see, Ecclesiastes really speaks to people in powerful ways in incredible circumstances. There's an Old Testament professor who says she had a student who struggled with depression, and this student said reading Ecclesiastes was like slipping into a warm bath. It is comforting to hear your deepest sorrows and despair and worries validated and echoed in Holy Scripture. It makes us feel known, and it makes us feel not alone. Ecclesiastes is an important moment and voice in Scripture, and Scripture would be lost without this incredible book. God didn't give us one picture of the life of Jesus. He gave us four Gospels. God didn't give us one book of wisdom. He gave us Proverbs. He gave us Job. He gave us Ecclesiastes because... As Hebrews 1.1 says, Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways. Ecclesiastes is a reminder of the various ways that God has spoken and continues to speak to us this morning in this incredible book of Ecclesiastes. So let's jump right back in to verse 1. The words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Vanity of vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? When I told Laura the subtitle for our sermon series, Good News in a Meaningless World, she was like, the world is meaningless? Because that's the NIV translation, NRSV here has said vanity of vanities, that classic translation, but NIV says meaningless, other translations say things like pointless, futility, 
This is a strange moment, though, where the message, which is a translation often known for paraphrase and not being incredibly literal, the message almost is more literal than some of these because the message reads smoke. Nothing but smoke. It's all smoke. And that's a lot closer to the original Hebrew word, which is hebel, which is really like vapor. Hebel is vapor. It's breath. It's this fleeting, elusive, kind of ephemeral nature of life that Ecclesiastes speaks to. And there is possibly meaninglessness in there, actually, because life is so vaporous, so fleeting, we can't get a grasp on it. It leads us to ask the question, is this pointless? Is this totally futile? And in fact, Ecclesiastes probably uses this word hebel in different ways throughout the book. But really that core metaphor is vapor. Life is, is fleeting away from us and it asks us, is this worth anything? Robert Alter says that Ecclesiastes, this word hebel, is like a breath. It's merest breath. It's the waste product of human breathing, really. Which I think strikes our moment in a very, very strange way. Not only do we feel this idea that, yeah, life is fleeting and breath is this vaporous, elusive, ephemeral thing. But breath right now has become not just elusive, but ominous. Breath is what we're all trying to avoid from one another. The waste product of breath, the droplets of water in this vapor coming out of our mouth has not just become elusive, but in our moment, it strikes us as dangerous, as potentially malevolent. And I'm afraid the bad news of Ecclesiastes is going to continue to get worse. Because in the next verse, in verse 4, Solomon says, A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hurries to the place where it rises. And then he continues talking about this wind that blows this way and that. And then it comes back around and it follows this circuitous monotony over and over and over again. And all things are wearisome, he says. This is another moment in Ecclesiastes that speaks into our moment powerfully. I don't know what it's like in your households, but in the Vanderzee household right now, life has never felt more like Bill Murray's classic comedy, Groundhog Day. We get up every morning, we drink the same coffee, we eat the same breakfast, we go to our workspaces and our play spaces and do the same things. The same frail old woman walks across our sidewalk in front of our house at the exact same time every day. You can mark your watch by her. It is so repetitive. I don't know if you're feeling the same thing, but it is truly the sun rises and it sets. The wind goes around and it comes back around and everything continues to be the same. Solomon says, yep, life is like that. And honestly, even hopeful, bright side of life optimists like me have to admit that all of us get to a place at some moment or another of Ecclesiastes 1 verse 8, where we look around and we think, 
this is wearisome. All is wearisome. Now more than ever, I think many of us are feeling that emotion. And then in one of the most quotable lines in all of Ecclesiastes, in verse 9, Solomon says, What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. We long for newness in our society. We want something new. We want the next new thing. We want something wholly original, unique. In fact, the slogan for artistic modernism by Ezra Pound, he said, make it new, make it new. But Solomon says, on some level, everything's derivative. It's all been done before. There's nothing truly new and original. And really, what seems even more distressing and depressing about coronavirus and this global pandemic is the idea that this is not new. This is not the world's first pandemic. And I hate to say, I assume this will not be the world's last pandemic. It's happened before. It can happen again. It may not even be the last iteration of COVID-19 that we deal with. The world, again and again, nothing new under the sun. And finally, Solomon's sad discovery here, the sage's wisdom here, reaches one of the most depressing lines in verse 11. He says, The people of long ago are not remembered, nor will there be any remembrance of people yet to come by those who come after them. Ecclesiastes faces up to this cold, hard truth that really some point in time down the road, no one on earth is going to remember me. When people talk about the most challenging texts in the Bible, I don't think people mention Ecclesiastes 1 very often. Because right now it reads like the script of a horror film. Basically, the message we've been getting from Ecclesiastes 1 is... Yeah, the world and life is elusive, and your generation is not going to change the world. You'll never do anything truly original, and when you're done not changing the world or doing anything truly original, no one will remember you. (laughs) And so we're left wondering what in the world could possibly be good news from Holy Scripture this morning. What in the world can we find in this strange, disconcerting wisdom of the book of Ecclesiastes? A little while ago, I was listening to a Christian philosopher named Peter Rollins talk on a podcast. And he was talking about New Age philosophy, New Age religion, this idea centered around fulfilling your dreams. Just Go after your dreams. Whatever is your dream, go out and get it done. Fulfill it. And Rollins was saying, I love fulfill your dreams. I say fulfill your dreams because then you might realize the abject horror of them. Once you fulfill your dreams, then you might realize the utter impotence of them, the 
amount of garbage that your dreams are because if you think $10 million is, is going to fulfill you, go out, go get it, get that $10 million and you will realize the utter emptiness and despair of what the world sells us in saying fulfill your dreams. And it's in that moment of darkness and despair that you may finally be ready to hear the words of Jesus. To hear Mark chapter 8. To hear Jesus say, For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Ecclesiastes says life is fleeting, it's a vapor, it's elusive, it's maybe pointless because it's so elusive. And Jesus says, yeah, it is elusive. That's absolutely right. But guess what? If you try to save it, you're going to lose it. And yet if you lose it for my sake, you will have found the meaning at the very heart of it. If you lose, if you lean into losing your elusive life for my sake and for the kingdom of God, you will have found the only thing that can save it. You will have found the only thing that can really give it purpose. That is the cross. That is, the cross is jujitsu for futility. The cross is jujitsu for futility because if you lean into that elusive, ephemeral, vaporous status of life, you will find that you cannot lose what you've already given up for the kingdom of God. Jesus says, if you're willing to lose it, that's when you can save it. Because of the crucified and risen Messiah. Robert Alter talks about hebel, this word in Ecclesiastes 1, as the waste product of our breath. And the only possible thing that can counteract this ephemeral, elusive, vaporous waste product of our breath that even in our time has become dangerous to us, the only thing that can counteract that is the ruah. Of God, the breath of God, the life of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that animates us, that gives us purpose, that gives us meaning and hope and peace and salvation. The life breath of God, because then we aren't chasing after the wind. It is the wind of God, the breath and Spirit of God that chases us down that finds us, and that gives us a hope and a future. Church, may we find our security, may we find our hope, may we find our salvation in Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. Because Hebrews 1 says, yeah, God has spoken in many and various ways. He's spoken through Ecclesiastes, but what comes next? Hebrews 1, 1, but in these last days he has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things. May the spirit and breath of Jesus Christ give meaning to our fraught and fleeting existence. Amen.